Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Yeah, I sent out a text message to a bunch of y'all. If you didn't get it, you can uh, register for that online. But we're going to do something together today. I was sitting in worship a few weeks ago, and I was not scheduled to preach today. Our friend Andrew was going to preach, and we're going to preach together. But I just felt like God speak to my heart. Very clearly, I felt the Holy Spirit prompt something. As the pastor of the church, I felt like the Lord said, Ryan, I need you to shepherd your people in a specific area of our church. And that area is worship. There's something that that, uh, we've been done many times if you've been a part of our church. How many of you have been a part of our green turf days? Anybody? But that's awesome. There's a lot of you who aren't new to to Love City Church within the last year, year and a half. Come on, next week we're having water baptisms. We're having three water baptisms next week. Come on, we how, how, come on, put your hands together. Come on, last month we had several as well, and every month we're trying to have water baptisms every month. Come on, God's doing something in our church. But I wanted to talk to you about today um, is we're going to do a little bit of a, a kind of an interactive message. We're going to have moments where I'm going to have you stand, and I'm going to have you do some stuff with me. We're going to have worship intertwined into our sermon. Andrew and I are going to tag team and, you know, like a WWF, I'm going to tag him and he's going to do a flip onto the mat. Just kidding, that won't happen. And if it does, you're welcome to leave immediately. But come on, we're going to get into the word today. We're going to study uh, something that I believe it could be, could change your life. Today's thought is called Made for This. And what we're going to talk about today is that every single per- person in this room today, at some point in their life, those who are in the room and those who are not in the room who are followers of Jesus and those who aren't are on a pursuit in life to find out what is this life for? Why was I created? What's the purpose of my life? Why am I here? We're trying to find why I was made. What is my purpose? If you, in Google, typed in Google, what is my purpose? You get, you know, probably three billion results of people trying to figure out what our purpose is. You know, what we do is we go get jobs and we pursue careers and we try to make money and we try to, you know, own things and do things and travel and maybe it's a relationship that you get into a marriage or maybe, man, I need to have more children or, you know, maybe I need to make a mark on the planet by doing good things or whatever it might be. But somehow every single time we go down that road, it leaves us feeling empty. The job just doesn't satisfy. You have a child. I love my kids, but they just don't satisfy. You get married, I love my wife, but there's just something missing. At the end of the day, there's something missing. And here's what's missing in our lives. You and I were created with one purpose. We were created to worship our creator. We were created to worship God. God created us that we would be worshipers. And did you know that the Bible actually teaches us exactly how God likes to be worshiped? And what we're going to talk about here uh, today is that you and I were made as eternal beings and we were made to to worship. And I want want you to hear me today. What we're about to teach you today, I believe, I believe many of us in our life are searching for something deeper and you can find it, I believe, through today's message. I believe that at any moment in your life, you could access what we're going to teach you today and it could transform your life forever. And so I want you to hear me today. As Andrew and I tag team together... We're just going to teach the word and worship a little bit. And so you're going to get your calisthenics today. Everyone, you know, like this, up and down. So come on, let's get into the word a little bit today. So I'm going to read this phrase to you, and we're going to have you read it with me in a few seconds. We don't give God praise based on our preferences, based on our personality type, based on our current mood. We give praise based on who he is and in the ways that he has designed and instructed us in his word. In your Bible, based upon your, your translation, but uh, is almost 347 times the, the word praise is mentioned. And did you know that that word praise, if you took a, a Hebrew lexicon and you read, read through those 347 scriptures, that those, that word praise actually has seven different Hebrew meanings. 
So you could be reading the word praise and think it means, you know, just to give glory to God when it could mean bowing down or it could mean shouting out loud or it could mean to lift your hands in thanks or confession to God or it could mean be clamorously foolish before the Lord. You could be reading the word praise and it could actually mean seven different things throughout Scripture. Did you know that the New Testament church, they are taught in Colossians, which we talked about last week, weeks, a few weeks ago, I think it was last week, where we talked about how you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Where did they get that from? The, 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 the theological doctrinal book that the New Testament church studied to understand worship was the book of Psalms. They learned from David. David outlined the theological doctrinal way in which we should worship. It wasn't a church. It wasn't a specific worship leader. It wasn't a denomination. It wasn't a a, a Catholic upbringing or an Anglican upbringing or a charismatic upbringing. The book of Psalms teaches us exactly how God wants to be worshiped. And we see in these scriptures here in Psalms 102, 18, look at this. Let this be written to future generations. So this is written to you. So that a people not yet born will praise the Lord. See, we often come into church and we think that worship is about me. Worship is about my experience, which it is. We experience God. We experience his presence. Sometimes we're not in the mood and so we don't experience it at all. You know what I mean? You come in, I don't want to worship today. And we don't, and we don't experience anything. And sometimes we're just dialed in and we're like, yes, God, and we experience his presence. However it happens for you, you need to know something today, that worship is not just about you and not just about me. It's about your unborn children. It's about future generations. It's about understanding what the Bible teaches us on how to worship. And when we learn how to worship, it does not just impact you. I'm going to say this with all of, uh, of, the, of the encouragement I can muster this morning. <laughs> Do you want to see God move in your home and in your children? Learn to worship dad. You want to see your children have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Uh, um, Wife, uh, husband, father, mother, learn to worship God's way. What happens is it impacts your children's lives. Look at this verse in Psalms 145, 3, 4. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Amen? His greatness no one can fathom. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty and remarkable acts. Okay, so what does worship look like? That's what we're going to take some time to, to, to talk about together. Now, worship is not based on your personality type. Well, Ryan, I, I don't, it's not my personality to do that. Well, it's not about your personality type. Worship's not about your musical style preference. Well, I like the hard rock stuff or I like the organ stuff or I like the nothing stuff. <laughs> I like silence, Ryan. Turn the volume down. I'm sure some of you are like, please. <laughs> It's not based upon your religious upbringing, your your Catholic upbringing, your Anglican upbringing, your Presbyterian upbringing, your charismatic upbringing. Oh, this is the only way to worship. Well, this is the way I did it, so it must be right. No, the Bible teaches us exactly how God wants to be worshipped. A misconception of what praise is supposed to be like, and often we see maybe a pipe organ and somber music, and we, you know, we, we, we think that's the idea of worship, but that's not it at all. And that's why historically known as the Dark Ages, there came a time where the liturgical, worshipful atmosphere of God that was learned from the book of Psalms went into the shadows during the dark and middle ages. And in the dark and middle ages, all you would see was monks chanting Gregorian chants and people would watch as these monks, these men of God would sing on their behalf. And then when the church became a state religion and Roman Catholicism took over in 333 AD around then when Constantine was the emperor, saw a vision of the cross, had an actual experience with God. But the challenge was he turned a relationship and turned it into a religion and made it a state religion and you got arrested if you weren't a Christian. And what happened was is that then they began to set in uh, that only a holy person could talk to God. And the way that they would do church was music and the Roman Catholic liturgy was performed for the masses but only by a priest. And then eventually, they allowed choirs to come in, but they wouldn't let women sing, only the men. And so you would, women would attend church, and they would watch as the men would sing in the choir, and as the priest would lead them in worship. Come on, that sounds amazing. Anyone want to join the choir? And so we have this history that has really deterred many of the people who've grown up in liturgical environments from what God teaches in the book of Psalms. Dead religion tends to silence people. If you love God, you're going to talk about it. 
If you've seen a miracle done in your life, you're going to talk about it. If you see God transform your life, you're going to talk about it. Worship is expressive and worship is vocal. Let's read this together out loud together. We don't give God praise based on our preferences, personality type, or current mood. We give God praise based on who he is and the ways that he has designed and instructed us in his word. And we must understand that God has feelings just like you and me. God is not a cosmic energy. He's not just the universe. God is a person. He has a personality. He has feelings. He has emotions, just like you and me. The only difference is his are perfect. How many of you ever read the book Five Love Languages? Anybody? The book Five Love Languages, if you haven't read it, it's a married couple. It's a really great book. What it does is it categorizes basically our, the way we like to be loved down to five categories. And these five categories, for example, my wife's love language would be if I would just sit with her and cuddle in pure silence. It sounds like my personal hell, but my wife just literally wants to cuddle with me nonstop. So if I want to express love to my wife, I say, hey, babe, you want to cuddle? She'll say, oh, my gosh, you love me. Now, I don't like, I love cuddling my wife, hear me, but it wouldn't be what I would want to do on a Saturday, that's for sure. It's just not how I was wired. I would love it if my wife, this is hilarious, would come to the park with me to the Fish Creek Park and watch me fish. (laughs) (laughs) Quality time. (laughs) Some of you here might be today say, Ryan, you know, like, I love church. It's all good. But you know where I really experience God? I experience God in the mountains, man. I go on this walk and I hike and I get out there. Man, I just feel God in the air. That's awesome. That's how you love to experience God, but that's not how God loves to experience you. The book of Psalms actually teaches us how God likes to experience us. The book of Psalms teaches us what God's love languages are, and often what we do is we base our worship on what we think God wants. Now, let me just tell you a little marriage tip. If you currently exist in that type of a marriage, you'll never fully love one another correctly. Because you'll always be giving what you want and never giving them what they want. And the Bible teaches us that there's a way for us to worship God that makes him happy. In fact, there's a way to worship God that actually invites his presence into this place. And it's good for us to remember as we start this today that he is God and I am not. And he is an eternity past and I'm just eternity 40 years ago. (laughs) That that we have to remember that he is holy, holy, holy and I'm still on barely holy level one. He is the creator, I am the created. He is eternal, I am but a vapor. Now this isn't to say you're a bunch of worms, (laughs) but this is a healthy understanding that when it comes to worshiping God, it actually has little to do with us and all to do with God. And the beautiful thing, like in a marriage relationship, when you serve your wife, you love your wife, guess what happens? Just naturally, she's gonna wanna serve and love you. And it's the cycle of relationship and the same with God. If I worship God in the way that he's taught me to worship him, he will minister to you, you will minister to him, and you will experience God in a powerful way like you've never experienced before. Come on, let's just welcome our friend Andrew as he comes and brings the word. Come on, good morning. All right, we're gonna get to the first word for prayer. It's yada. Can you hear me okay? It's yada. Let me hear you say yada. Yada. Okay, this it comes from the word hand. So yad means hand in the Hebrew. And it means to extend a hand to the Lord in confession of who God is. The, oh yeah, no worries. So it's to physically confess with our hands raised. It's an extension of the hand in worship to God. It's raising our hands in worship, expressing that God is in control. So there's a a scripture in the Bible that gives us an example of what happens here, where this Hebrew word, yada, is word, is is used, and it's in 2 Chronicles uh, 20. Now, here's the setup before we read the scripture. There's a whole bunch of people. The uh, people of God are about to...
praise, yada, the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Yada, the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. So the first people that were going out were the singers and those who were going to worship with extended hands. That's kind of like us going into battle and say, okay, uh, let's get James and uh, maybe Alana and uh, Pastor Stephanie. Can you guys come up to the front? Why don't you guys just sing a song as we go into war and uh, you guys go right up front with your hands raised. It doesn't sound very smart to me. Now, generally, when you think of a picture of a battle or going into war and you picture people with their hands raised going out against the army, what does that mean? Surrender, that's right. But here's the thing. They weren't surrendering to the enemy. They weren't surrendering to the army. They were surrendering the situation to God. They were going out in advance of the uh, fight, and they were going out to the battle with their hands raised, uh, surrendering and confessing that God is good, regardless of the outcome, that he is good. Now, maybe you come to church and you say, well, that sounds great, Andrew, but yeah, I'm not really a hand raiser in church. Uh, well, that's interesting. You ever been to a Flames game? You ever been to a concert? You ever been to a Flames game and Gaudreau comes and brings the puck up, shoots and scores? What do you do? You lift your hands. You high-five some half-cut guy that you've never even met before. <laughs> that, that sounds more weird to me than lifting our hands and worshiping God. So... The reality is that, is that God doesn't uh, suggest this as kind of, a, oh, hey, you know, it's kind of a neat thing if you want to try. But he commands us to worship him in this way. He commands us to yada, to physically extend our hands in worship. Not because he's an angry, a mean God, um, but because he doesn't want us to miss out on what happens when we confess his goodness when we surrender our situation, the battle that we're facing to the Lord, when we release control and extend our hand and give it to God. There's another uh, definition of this word that means to actually uh, throw something. Uh, the scripture in Psalm 118 says, I will praise, I will yadah you, for you have answered me and have become my salvation. Now, how many, by a show of hands, just lift your hands. How many would say, God has become your salvation today? Anyone in the house? Awesome. See, look how natural it is. You're, you're dying already, all right? Come on, you're doing great so far. But this idea of throwing a rock or a stone is like this imagery of us taking our praise and our worship and aiming at God and saying, here, God, take this. This, uh, this uh, addiction I'm facing, this uh, circumstance, this, this hard time, Lord, I'm just surrendering it and I'm releasing it to you and I'm throwing it to you, God. It's an outward expression of what is happening on the inside. It's saying, God, even though I don't feel like it, even if I haven't had my coffee, coffee yet, especially when I don't feel like it, I'm going to come to the house of the Lord and I'm going to lift my hands in worship. I'm going to praise God even when I don't feel like it. I'm going to throw my praise to the Lord. Remember in the scriptures when uh, David says, soul, why are you so downcast? Soul, why are you so defeated? Even still, yet I will praise the Lord. I'm going to make a, a, a sacrifice of praise, a decision to praise God in this circumstance despite what's going on. Even though I don't feel like it, I'm going to surrender it to you. All right, our next word uh, for praise in the uh, Bible is tada. Can you say tada? Oh, that was, that was pretty good. Good. Tada. It's similar to yada, uh, but it's done uh, extending the hand with a uh, spirit of thankfulness and uh, gratitude and gratefulness to God. It's uh, a sacrifice of praise as an act of faith. It's praising God and thanking Him for what He's done in your life, what He's doing, and by faith, thanking Him in advance of what He's going to do in your life and in your situation. Psalm 100, verse 4 says, Enter His gates with thanksgiving. That's the word taudah. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him, Yada, and bless his name. 
So it's a decision we make when we come into this atmosphere. We come into the house of God and we make a choice, a personal sacrifice, regardless of the situation that we're facing. In advance of the victory, when we're going out into the battle and we're saying, God, I believe that you're still good. Even if I haven't seen the outcome or the circumstance the way I need to, Lord, I just release my expectation to you. I surrender my control and I give it to you. Here, God, I don't know what I'm going to do, so take that. I don't know what to do, but I'm looking to you for help and I'm throwing it onto you, Lord. All right, church, come on. Why don't we just, let's experience this. Let's do this in unity together as a church. Why don't you all stand to your feet? Let's just lift our hands in a yada or a tauda to the Lord. Think about what he's done in your life. Just release the, the song of praise as we, as we lift our hands and worship and say, God, we're thankful for what you've done, Father. Thank you. Now we confess. Come on, hands lifted. Lord, we confess that we need you, God. Lord, we lift our hands in thanks and gratitude to say, Lord, we love you, God. We lift our hands as an act of praise right now, Father. Come on, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Come on, you can be seated. I told you you're going to get your exercise today. You're warranting that donut you ate on the way here today. Come on, the third one is this, Shabbat. Say Shabbat. Come on, Shabbat is a word that literally means to, uh, to shout, to be, to, to be loud, to triumph and rejoice in a loud tone. Now, I don't know if you hear me on Sunday, but I'm actually trying to model this. I'm obviously, I'm obviously sincerely worshiping the Lord, but I try to model this. And you might come in and be like, man, that guy yells all the time during church. I don't know if anybody ever heard me yelling all the time. <laughs> I'm yelling because I'm trying to model for you that when we shout, there's something supernatural when you shout in praise to God. I'm going to show you in Scripture. This is actually pretty powerful. And this is why I do it. Because when I sense that the enemy's up to something in our midst, I shout! When I sense, I, I feel it. When you come in the room and I sense, okay, this person's off. And man, I sense this in my spirit. And what's going on here? I shout, God, you are good! Come on, God, I love you, Lord! Why? Because I am scattering the enemies. Something powerful that happens when we open our mouths and we shout. Look at this scripture in Psalms 117. This is Shabbat the Lord. Shout to the Lord all you nations. Shabbat him all you people of the earth. And this idea of Shabbatking in this scripture speaks to the idea all the people of the earth. Are you a people on the earth? Then we are called and commanded to Shabbat. So come on just for a second. Think about it for a moment. Something God's done good in your life. Maybe he's good. Maybe he's faithful. Maybe he's loving. And on the count of three, I want you, even if you've never shouted out loud in your life, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm a little mouth. Say, hallelujah. <laughs> maybe that's maybe your version right now, and that's okay. But come on, right now, on the count of three, I want you to think. I'm going to give you a couple seconds. What has God done in your life? Is he good? Amen. Is he awesome? Is he powerful? You say, God, you are, boom, and I promise you this, something shifts in the atmosphere. Are you ready? You got it? One, two, three. God, you are faithful! Oh. I just got, like, tinglies in my knees. Come on, look what it says in the scripture. Psalms 47.1. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God. Listen, with the voice of triumph shout to god with songs of joy come on this is something that you and i are called to do we are commanded to do we'll read a verse in psalm 71 and this is a beautiful story because david is at the end of his life and things are not going well for david you know the truth is many theologians and scholars believe that david was struggling to be a great dad 
was really struggling to be a great father. And in this instance, we have a story where David is towards the end of his life and his son Absalom was trying to take over his kingdom. He went to another part of the, of, the, of, the, of the country and started shouting, Absalom is king! And so here's his very own flesh and blood trying to steal the kingdom from under his, his feet. His enemies are surrounding him and his strength is failing and things have gone hor horribly wrong. And David penned this verse for you and I to understand that when the enemies are against us and things aren't going right and our finances are in disarray and our mental state is not doing well and our marriage isn't doing well, what we do is the scripture says, he says, I will shout for joy! And sing your praises for you have ransomed me, God. It doesn't matter what I'm facing. It doesn't matter what's right in front of me. I will shout with a voice of triumph to my God. In Psalm 63, 3, look what it says. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I shabak you. How I praise you. How I shout to your name. Now remember, one of the most famous stories in the Bible. Remember when the people of Israel went into the promised land? What was God's strategy to take down Jericho? The impenetrable, uh, like these, these walls were so high and thick and long, there was no way in a natural world that they could break down this bondage that was standing in front of them. There's no way this addiction could be broken. There's no way that this marriage could be restored. There was no way that we're going to be able to get through this. And God said, I got a strategy for you. I need you to Shabbat. I need you to Shabbat for six days. And on the seventh day, I need you to Shabbat seven times around. And as you know, on that last seventh Shabbat, what happened? The walls of Jericho came tumbling down. There's another story of King Abijah. King Abijah was facing the, 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 the uh, terrible army. The, imagine this battle scene where there's, uh, there's, there's warriors and chariots. And it's a traditional battle scene where they're facing an enemy. And, and King Jeroboam was this wicked king who was trying to take down the people of Judah, the people of praise, the people of Israel. And he's facing this wicked king. And Abijah steps up to King Jeroboam and he declares this to him. Do you really think you can stand against the kingdom of the Lord that is led by the descendants of David? You may have a vast army and do you you have those gold calves that jeroboam made as your gods but as for us the lord is our god and we have not abandoned him but what Jer what abijah didn't know is that while he was chanting out loud jeroboam had sent a, a, an army around the back look what it says in the scripture meanwhile Jeroboam had secretly sent part of his army around behind the men of Judah to ambush them. And when Judah realized that they were being attacked from the front and the rear, they cried out to the Lord for help. Look at this. The priests blew the trumpets. And the men of Judah, the word Judah means praise. The men of praise began to shabak. And at the sound of their battle cry, God defeated Jeroboam and Israel and routed them before Abijah and the army of Judah. When they shouted, God routed the enemy. See, the devil wants you to keep your mouth quiet because he knows, oh my gosh, if they figure out that yes, using their vocal cords externally to shout the goodness of God actually silences the voice of the devil. There was a, a moment in scripture where uh, the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday. And in Palm Sunday, we remember uh, how Jesus was entering Jerusalem. And as he came into Jerusalem, they were, they were celebrating him and shouting to him before, a week before he was crucified. And the people began to shout in this scripture in Matthew chapter 21, the crowds that went ahead of him and Jesus, those that followed Shabbat, they shouted. Hosanna, O son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Well, the, the religious teachers didn't like this one bit. And as he entered in the temple, it says in the scripture that little children begin shouting the praises. Oh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, son of the little children, began to shabak and worship the Lord. The teachers hated this. Look what the scripture says in Matthew 21, 15. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw that the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna, the son of David, these religious teachers were indignant. They didn't like that these children were shouting. I want you to catch the connection here. The religious Pharisees, the hypocrites, didn't like it when people were shouting in God's house. And what did Jesus do? He quoted Psalms chapter 8, verse 2. Look what he says. You've taught the little children to shabak you perfectly. May their example look at the shame and silence your enemies. 
that when you shout, literally the voice of your enemy is shut. When you shout, the voice of your enemy is quieted. When you shout, the voice of your enemy is silenced. So come on, I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to sing a song here today. And what we're going to do is we're going to shout. We're going to tawda out of thanksgiving for God. We're going to yada out of confession to God. I want to encourage you today. Lift those hands. Come on, shout out loud. Be bold today. Come on. Let's worship the Lord as we sing this song. All right, our next word for praise is zamar. Zamar means to touch the strings of an instrument, to play upon it, to make music accompanied by the voice. It's to celebrate in song and music. It's what we're experiencing and encountering this morning as we worship God with musical instruments. Psalm 717 says, I will praise, I will yadah the Lord according to his righteousness, and I will sing praise, that's the word zamar, to the Lord most high. See, music affects us physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Now, if you've ever been somewhere and music's been playing, you didn't really notice it, and you're just kind of hanging out talking with people, and all of a sudden the music stops, and you're like, oh, this is awkward. Do we just keep talking or can someone turn the music back on? Because it's a little weird, right? We take it for granted sometimes, I think. But you see, it, it sets the tone. It, it sets the, the atmosphere with the zamar praise and the worship to God. And it affects us emotionally. I'll give you a couple of examples here as we listen to a couple of clips of music. How it might affect us. Oh, yes, this is from my playlist. soothe our troubled souls. It opens a door to the spiritual world. It paves the road for the Spirit's coming. Martin Luther is quoted as saying, next to the word of God, the noble art of music is the greatest treasure in the world. Beautiful music is the art of the prophets that can calm the agitations of the soul. It is one of the most magnificent and delightful presents God has given us. You see, this is biblical. All through the Bible, uh, Zamar praise is used. It's in battle times and in desperate times of seeking the Lord. And it was used in the tabernacle. And that same pattern of worship is what God uses in his church today as we worship him with music. Now, when we do that under the anointing of uh, the worship team here on our Sunday gatherings, it takes that collective praise, praise to another level right? Um, now, if you happen to play an instrument really well, and you're interested in coming on up here on some of our Sundays, we encourage you to try out for our worship team here at Love City Church. Be a part of that. Hey, if I can make it on the choir, trust me, you got a good shot, okay? Let me encourage you, church. Don't miss church. And when you come to church, don't miss worship. We are coming into the atmosphere and the presence of God that has been uh, powerfully prayed for 
for the anointed people that are leading, lead us, uh, leading us in worship, and, and you've been prayed for even in advance of your coming, that as we, as we stand together and we lift up this Zamar praise to, the, to uh, God, there's something powerful that happens, that music, Zamar praise, opens up something in the spiritual realm. And God does not want us to miss out on that. So come, be prepared to worship. Offer a sacrifice of praise and watch what God will do in the worship. Because you know what? Music takes us to places that words can't. So don't miss these powerful moments in God's presence as we worship. Uh, David would play the lyre, the harp, the strings of a uh, musical instrument for King Saul. When King Saul had an evil spirit tormenting him. And the scripture says that as you would play the instrument, that the evil tormenting spirit would depart from King Saul, that it would be forced to leave as the strings of the instrument were plucked. And it says that relief would come. It's this idea of just a big, that there's relief in the Zamar praise, in worshiping God with music. It opens up and influences God's spirit in our lives as we worship him. All right, let's welcome back Pastor Ryan. Our next one here uh, is Barack. Come on, Barack. Obama. <laughs> oh, hey, take it easy now. 2024. No, I'm just kidding. You can't run again. I was just kidding. Um, Barack. Come on, Barack means very simply to bow down. Something very, I want to encourage you to add to your worship repertoire. <laughs> I don't know if you saw, uh, I, I also try to practice this as an example. I know this last Wednesday, there was a gentleman in the church that came right down the front. I want to encourage you. This, this word Barak is, is actually found uh, 289 times out of our 300. This is one of the ways in which we humble ourselves before the Lord. Something powerful about bowing down and blessing God as an adoration and honor. When our world is bowing down in secular world, through their heart, through their mind, through their soul, we even find ourselves at times bowing down to other gods, relationships, addictions. One other thing that I try to practice is when I come into the house of the Lord, and I'm not saying I do this religiously or legalistically, and I don't do it uh, uh, insincerely to, to just be a, you know, to be a showy person. I try to bow because those are the moments when I say, I don't care who's in the room right now. God, you are the only thing that matters to me right now. And I've had this as a God in my life. This thing has been a God in my life. God, I'm bowing down as a way to say to God, I'm praising you and you alone with my life. I'm going to encourage you, if you're here during worship, and you know, this front row seems to be a scary zone. We call it, Ryan Boris calls it the spit zone. <laughs> the splash zone, that's what it is. I want to encourage you though, man, if you're here, we don't have much of a quote-unquote altar, if you can call it an altar, we don't, but a front area. Man, if you're just feeling like, man, I just want to bow down before the Lord. Our seats yeah. don't really aren't very conducive to this, but if you can't fit in those seats by bowing down and you want to come down to the side, you want to come to the front, let's add this to our Sunday gathering repertoire. Let's add this to your worship experience. Let's add this to when you're at home getting down on your knees, worshiping before the Lord. Look at this scripture in Psalm 63, 4. I will barack you as long as I live. I will bow down before you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. So come on, I want to encourage you. This is one of the, one of the most uh, humiliating things to do is to get down physically and bow down before the Lord. I just want to encourage you with this. You may not realize it, but you are bowing down to something. You might be bowing down to something with your emotional state, your finances, your life. The Bible says in Romans 12, chapter 1, offer your, your, your bodies as a living sacrifice in view of God's mercy, this is, this is your, like your reasonable act of service to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to Christ. I want to encourage you. Take some, have some faith. I want to encourage you today. Bow down and worship before the Lord and you watch as you uh, submit yourself to the Lord how God will come and he will minister to you. Come on, Andrew. We've got two more and the next two are, are, are awesome. Here we go. All right. Our next word for praise is tahilah. Can you say tahilah? Tequila. I heard tequila. Who said that? Stand and be recognized, please. We're going to do some prayer. Can we call the elders of the church? Basically, grab the oil. We're going to pray over you right now. Come on. Tequila means to sing enthusiastically to the Lord 
It's to make songs of adoration or praise to God. It's worshiping God with our own spontaneous song. And it's on the spot singing to God. Tehillah is praise that gets real when you pour out what's happening inside you. Let's pick up uh, the scripture again in 2 Chronicles uh, 2021. And this is when they're going out before the other army. And the, the king appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. So here's all these people going out in the battle, lifting their hands in worship, saying in unison, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now repeat after me this one line. Now when they began to sing. Can you say that with me? Now when they began to sing, as soon as they started singing and praising Tahila the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. The scripture says that actually it caused the enemies to fight against one another. They, they completely annihilated each other. So the army, the enemy, defeated itself essentially so when the uh the 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 people of god came to the lookout they came in front of the uh, army all they could see was dead bodies god had defeated their enemies now it wasn't just you know some cute song they were singing it was a specific kind of song as they marched into battle they were singing their own personal spontaneous song going out into battle being like God, I don't know what's going to happen, but Lord, we just lift our voices to you and sing this song. Now, the, another scripture in the Psalms gives us more insight into what was actually happening here in Psalm 22, 3. It says, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises, the Tehillah of Israel. The Tehillah praises caused God to be enthroned, caused God to be on the throne. Now, you know what you don't hear of often? is two kings sitting on the same throne. When we offer a Tehillah praise to God, when we sing our own spontaneous song to God, there's only one king that can sit on the throne. There's only one king who's enthroned in our praises, and that's the living God. Nothing else stays in power when God is enthroned. And God is enthroned in our Tehillah praise. That means anything that you're facing, anything that you're going through, any stronghold in your life has to depart and no longer sits on the throne because the presence of the living God is there. There's been times and moments in my own life, and here's where this gets a little personal, where, personal, where the, the enemy would try to camp in. Um, moments of depression or just feeling like you're in a funk or insecurity or just being insufficient. Not knowing what's going to happen next with work or finances or relationships, families, you name it, right? And there would be these moments where I just feel the enemy, the devil would just try and, and camp in. And I would make a decision to lift my voice and sing to God. Make a sacrifice of praise because I know that he is present on that praise. That he comes in in those moments when we're singing to him a spontaneous song to the Lord. And that he is with us in those moments. And we see God be enthroned on our tehillahs and on our praise. Anytime, day or night, we can just sing our spontaneous song to the Lord. And you know what? It's not supposed to sound good. That's the point. It's our own song. It's for everybody. It's not just for Pastor James and the worship team. It's for all of us. It's not supposed to sound polished or eloquent. It's just where we lift our voice and get real with God. I want to give you an example of this today. Uh, I'm going to ask uh, my, my good friend, my brother in Christ, Tyler, to come up on stage and join me here. Let's welcome Tyler as he comes. Come on. Right, church, I just want you to let's just close our eyes. Just everyone right now, close our eyes. Let's come in front here, Tyler. I'm just gonna take a moment with every eye closed and our heads bowed. 
Tyler, I just want you to think about right now with your eyes closed what God's done in your life. Think about where you were when he found you. Think about what he's been doing in your life. In advance, you see the victory. As you, as you begin to feel that song, just make a decision to just praise the Lord. Lift a song to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy and your spiritual healing, Lord. Thank you for your physical healing, Lord. You're so wonderful. You're so great. I worship you, Lord. I give it all to you. You are so wonderful, and I only can give it all to you, Lord. Praise your name. Praise your name. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Only you can do it for us, Lord. You are everything we need. We give it all to you, Lord. You take it all away from us, Lord. You take it all away from us, Lord. Just praise your name, Lord. Thank you for everything you can do in our lives. We praise your name. Thank you for taking it all away. Thank you for healing. Thank you for praise. Thank you for your grace. We thank you for everything you can do for us, Lord, because it is all given to you. So we give it all to you. We don't give it to anything else, Lord. We give it all to you, Lord. Not just parts of it. Not just parts of it. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Praise your name. Thank you for your rescuing, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the victory. We praise your name. Praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks, Tyler. Can we give Tyler a hand for doing that? That's not easy coming up here. Bless you, brother. Amen. Praise God. You see what's happening right now in our midst. As Tyler was bold, and he made a decision, a choice to enthrone the Lord. When our praise goes up, his presence comes down. Can you feel that? It's palpable. This is a living an active God who sees your situation, who's involved in your life, and who loves you. When Tyler sings that song, when we sing our song, God's on the throne. There's nothing that can compare to the goodness of God in the land of the living. He is present on our praises. He defeats the enemy. He causes confusion amongst your enemies and they start fighting against one another until they're all dead. And you come out there and you're like, God, I've offered my song to you. I've offered my praise to you. I come out and lift my hands. I'm ready to face the enemy. I just give it to you, Lord. And then you come out and you're like, oh, you know why? Because God does things we can't fully understand in the spiritual realm that causes things to shift and the enemies to fight against each other. So all we see is dead bodies lying on the ground. And our enemy is defeated when God is on the throne. When we remind ourselves, when we make a decision to lift our song to the Lord in the midst of our situation. Not when we have it all figured out, but when we need God in this moment. When we sing a song and profess, God, we need you so bad right now. And he comes and he camps out. And every enemy, every lie, every indecision or fault or past sin flees and departs because God is enthroned on our Tehillah praise. Come on, church, let's stand to our feet here. We're going we're gonna to respond with the band here as we continue to play. Wherever you're at right now, look, look at how bold Tyler was to come in front of all of you and lift a song of worship to the Lord. So wherever you're at right now, come on, whatever you need, God, in your life, let's just release our expectation to him. Let's just sing a song. Come on, George. Let's use your vocal cords to praise God in advance of the victory. Whatever situation he sees you right now, wherever you're at, let's praise God that he'll be enthroned on our praises as a church this morning. Come on, church. Let's lift our voice and sing to God. Sound to the Lord. It doesn't need to sound good. He hears us today. Come on. Come on.
and we're going to talk about one more word, but just for a moment, keep your eyes closed. Come on, Holy Spirit. We just say, Lord, we love your presence. I believe there's someone in the room, multiple people in the room today, in fact, who've never experienced the presence of the Lord like this before. Lord, I want to say thank you, Lord, for not making this hard. You say, Father, that we can come boldly into your presence, Lord, and, and ask for help in our time of need. And Lord, you show us exactly how. So Lord, as we conclude this today, as I share this last thought, I pray there will be breakthrough in our midst today. Come on, in Jesus' name. Come on, sit down for just a few more seconds here. Come on, our last word today is the word halal. Somebody say halal. halal. We get the word hallelujah. Halal, you, ya. Ya meaning Jehovah. The word halal. It's the word that means in the scripture here. So I got to find my notes here. I'm so sorry. It means that you are to boast, to rave, to shine, to act madly, to be clamorously foolish before the Lord. I'll say that again. To boast, to rave, to shine, to act madly, to be clamorously foolish before the Lord. <laughs> what an incredible definition of this word halal. And we find in Scripture that this is the kind of praise when you get over yourself. This is the kind of praise when you stop acting like you're too good to worship like that. This is the kind of praise when you say, I don't care about who's around me. I don't care who's with me. I don't care what's going on in my life. I need God. I don't care about when the worship starts at this time. I'm just going to be ready. I'm just going to be clamorously foolish before the Lord. And I'm just going to go crazy for God. Why? Because I need a touch from my Savior. It's halal. This word halal is to be clamorously foolish to Jehovah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to be clamorously foolish. God, I'm not going to care what people think of me. I'm not going to care what people in the back think of me. I'm not going to care what my neighbor thinks about me. I don't care, God, because I am only ministering to an audience of one. I'm exalting the name of God, and I'm concerned not what I look like. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a reason why I don't do karaoke. It's not because I'm a pastor or it's a religious issue. It's because... I am a terrible singer. In fact, so much so that one time Pastor James came to me and said, hey, Ryan, I love you, but you need to stop singing before you come up to preach because it's really bad. <laughs> and I uh, felt very offended. <laughs> I'm not, I don't do karaoke. If I had a song like James or a voice like James, I would sing all the time, like butter, right? He's got a butter voice, like butter. But, but I don't really care when it comes to worship. I don't really care what you think about me. I don't care. I love you. I care about you, but I don't care about you when it comes to worship. You want to know why? Because I want God. I want the presence of the living God. I need God. I, I am a wretched sinner, and I need the very presence and the manifest transformation of God in my life, and I am not going to let you or that neighbor or that person or that live stream or the person next to me stop me from experiencing what God has for me, the triumph and the victory that comes through the worship that we've been doing today. Nothing will stop me from experiencing God, not even my pride. There's a scripture found in the book of Chronicles, or Samuel rather, Second Samuel. And David was bringing back the, the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. He was trying to restore God's presence back to the house of God. And he had some complications along the journey coming up to that moment. But as he, he brought it back into the very presence of God, it, it was successful. The Ark of God was back where it needed to be in the house of the Lord. And the Bible says very clearly that David, he began to... Uh, to, to uh, David and all the people of Israel, look at this, were celebrating before the Lord. They were singing songs and they were zimaring, playing all kinds of musical instruments and lyres and harps and tamarines and cassinets, I don't know what that is, and cymbals. Come on in, David, dance before the Lord with all of his might. Where are you, little ephod? He dances and praise God. The presence of the Lord is in the house of God. 
And he said, David and all the people of Israel, they brought the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy. They baroxy, it's a spray zone, and the blowing of ram's horns. The scripture says, but as the ark of the Lord, as the presence of God entered the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. She was filled with contempt for him. I can't look at that person dancing in church like that. I can't believe that person keeps yelling in church. That guy won't put his hands down. I can't see. Man, like he just keeps singing and he doesn't have a very good voice. Michal looked at King David and she despised him. Look what it says. When David returned home to bless his own family, that word bless is the word Barak, when he went home to shout at his family. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Michal, the son of daughter, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in view of all the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. And David retorted to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord. I wasn't dancing for you, girl. In fact... The Lord chose me above your father and all his family. Snap, these are fighting words. You are sleeping in the doghouse tonight, David. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. In fact, he said, yes, I am willing to become even more undignified than this. Even to be humiliated in my own eyes. To look like an idiot for God. To, to, to just abandon my pride and abandon my perspective and abandon my history and abandon my liturgy and abandon my religion for goodness sakes and say, God, I need you. And I know that when I sing a Tehillah before you, God, your presence inhabits the room. I know, God, when I lift my hands in confession and thanks, God, you move. I know, God, when I shout and I know when I bow before you, God, you do something. So I don't care who's looking at me. I don't care what they think. I'm going to get over myself and I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to begin to exalt God. I want to show you one last verse here. Look what the, how the verse ends. So Michael, the daughter of Saul, remained childless throughout her entire life. There's a big thought here. I believe that there are many followers of Jesus Christ who are spiritually barren because they will not give themselves to the biblical forms of worship. We look at others in the house of God and think, oh my goodness, here we go again. I can't look at that guy down there. I just, oh my gosh, you're shouting so loud. I want to encourage you. I want to caution you as your pastor here today. I want to see spiritual fruitfulness in your life. Spiritual fruitfulness comes from having a halal before the Lord, saying, I'm going to be clamorously foolish. Now, I want you to hear me. We're not weird. We won't allow disorder in the house of the Lord. I want you to know me, hear me today. We won't allow disorder. So if someone begins to worship to bring eyes on them versus eyes on God, we have ushers and I'll jump from the pulpit and take care of it. We want health. We're a healthy church. We're a church that believes in the biblical things, but not man-made things. But when you begin to worship in a biblical manner, God begins to do something supernatural in your life. We're going to end today on one last song. As you stand to your feet here this morning, we're going to practice all these things. We're going to practice our confession by lifting of hands. It's biblical. We're going to confess in lifting of our hands through th being thankful for the Lord. We're going to practice today about, about barocking, shouting, and sh shabaking, bowing. Maybe I have those backwards, don't I? Shabaking, shouting, barocking, bowing. We're going to practice our tehillah. We're going to practice our halal. Let's practice it all. And I want you to watch what God does in your life today. God wants to minister and move in your heart. And this song is a way for us to say, God, I'm sorry for how I've treated worship. I'm going to come back to the beginning. And I want to worship you, amen? Would you just place your hands in the air one last time? Right now, let's practice our tehillah for a second. Sing your own song shout, you want to bow, you want to sing, you want to come down front right now, and you want to worship, come on down front, I'm going to join you right now, well, come on, let's just minister to the Lord as we sing these songs together, we want you to move in this place, God, we invite you, God, we confess today, the Lord, we, Love City Church wants to be a church of biblical worship, we want to experience your presence, we want to experience a transformation in the presence of the living God, so we declare today, God, we want worship how we want to worship.
We will worship how we've been taught, oh God. Through scripture today, we declare, Lord, we confess you're a good God. And we say thank you. Thank you, God, that you teach us how to usher your presence into our lives on a daily basis. And we love you with all of our hearts in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, everybody said. Come on, how many of you today believe, I believe this, but how many of you with a shout of amen believe that God's going to do something great in our midst in this area of our church, amen? Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.